Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a kid-lit podcast for parents, teachers, and writers. I'm Heather Kaufman-Peters. I'm the mother of one teenage boy. I'm a preschool teacher and a writer. And I'm Margie Ozamet. I'm the mom of two boys, a middle school teacher, a homeschooler, and a writer. Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, episode 40. We're getting there. We're getting there. Look at that. That's crazy. That's a lot of books, girl. I know. All right. This is the time traveling episode. Can we sing time warp? TMTM. Is that time warp? Let's do the time Time warp again. again. (laughs) I think we probably have to pay royalties now. I know. Whoops. Don't sing too much of it. Let's do the time warp tomorrow. Okay. (laughs) I love the idea of time travel. So many timey-wimey possibilities. And you and I are both huge Doctor Who fans. So this topic is our jam. Who? Doctor Who. Doctor. Oh, dreamy. Go on. I know. All of them. All of them are. All of them. I even like the new doctor as she's. I love her so much. She's awesome. She actually, she's perfect. She is. I heard rumor. This was it. She was leaving. Oh, okay. Well, they usually don't stay too long. I know. It's been, it'll be like four years. Yeah. It'll be like four seasons. Yeah. She's been around for a while. Um, so if you could hitch a ride on the TARDIS, where would you go first, Margie? Well, okay. So this is hard. I had to think about this. Okay. And um, I really want to go to ancient Egypt because Ooh, that's a good they had one. So right. And like women had some power then, which mm-hmm. of course is uber important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, women had a lot of power, but they also did so many interesting things. The mythology is so fabulously mm-hmm. interesting. Um, they were very modern. Their society they were. were See, that's the modern. thing. So yeah. many things they did actually right. like shaped our way of life now and right. all of humanity. So I'd like to go there. I do think it would be a little warm for me. I am fat. So I'm not, a, <laughs> oh and I'm gosh. pale, so it's not going to work out so well. <laughs> I mean, burned. I can keep these things in mind. I'm going to burn, but um, <laughs> you know, I think that's a, that's a big one, but you know, I don't, I, of course I'm going to go to the, oh, no. to, to, to the Ottomans. You know, I'm going to go to the Ottomans. You can't I stay go. away from those Turks, can you? I can't, I can't, <laughs> I want to go to be, I, you know what it is? I want to be like Suleiman the Magnificent. What makes you magnificent? Girl, did you just pick that name yourself? Because you know he did. You know he was like, I'm going to be Suleiman the Magnificent. Nobody was like, oh my God, he's magnificent. It was like, I'm going to be Beyonce. Like, come on. Somebody just made that up. I want to know. I want to know if Met Met the Conqueror is all he was cracked up to be because, you know, he did some pretty massive things. I want to see like Topkapi Palace and Dolmabache and all of these places that I've seen, but I want to like see them in the real, real life. life. Wouldn't that By be luck, amazing? I'll probably be like stuck in a harem or something and be like, wah, wah, can't go anywhere. You're a woman. But um, it's worth a try. I'd like to go back as a man. Maybe that's it. So I can see things. <laughs> so you can wander around freely. That's it. Yeah. I would like to, but I think it would be really cool. Yeah, Especially but you would because- be coming from the future with modern sensibilities. So you would just do it, right? Like, True. But you, you know, there are those women in history who just did things and nobody really stopped them because they didn't think that they couldn't do them. Like they just had that attitude. Well, maybe of, they were coming from the future. Maybe. <laughs> maybe they were. But you know, I'm just going to like, I'm totally going to go to the kitchen. That's where I'm going to be. Uh, because yeah. I, like Ottoman cooking is my jam. I love it. I love, I like the historical side of things. Mm-hmm. And um, I just see it in, in real life action. I'm like, sure, that war stuff's cool, whatever. But Show me the food. Let's talk right. about it. Let's roll some grape leaves together. That's what I want to know. Where are you going? Well, I was thinking about this a lot since the last episode when you asked me. And I'm, I thought about people that I would be interested in meeting. And one of the persons that just popped into my head is founding mother Abigail Adams. She's a Massachusetts girl. Oh God. Yes, she um, is. She was the wife and close advisor to President John Adams and mother of President John Quincy Adams. So she's like 
the king maker, basically. <laughs> um, so like prim and proper though. You know, was, I would last, you'd be okay. You'd be like, oh, let's have tea. I'd be like, yo girl, what up? And she'd be like, have a beheaded. <laughs> yeah. She was very into like virtue and raised her kids to be like, what are your virtues and stuff? Which I, I, I kind of like that though, because I always like ask my son, like, what kind of man do you want to be? Like, I think that's important. You're such stuff a better mother than I am. <laughs> I'd be like, could you just not fart on me? <laughs> You're like, what kind of man do you see yourself becoming? How can we make you stronger? What are your morals? And I'm like, flush the toilet when you're done. <laughs> that's how I raise men in my house. Put the seat down. <laughs> <laughs> just saying <laughs> it's a little different out here <laughs> anyway go on tell me more about abigail adams <laughs> well you know i my child is a little bit closer to adulthood so we have a few more things to worry about but you know not peeing on the floor would be that's a good step i was so. gonna say i have a husband don't even try <laughs> to say that they fix that <laughs> i mean please hello <laughs> All right. Well, I was always inspired by the letters that Abigail Adams wrote, like while her husband was in the Continental Congresses. And I just thought she was so smart and so interesting. And he really leaned on her as an advisor and liked um, to get her um, opinion before he did anything. But the biggest thing she did, which was so cool, was argue that women should be given equal rights, like way back when they were founding our country. She was like an old Hillary Clinton. Yeah. saying she like ran their household and their farm and stuff while he was gone she kind of reminds me of like an a viking woman in a way like they did that kind of stuff too when their men were gone they ran everything and they handled all the books and all that kind of stuff i mean okay the only difference is that that they were off fighting the war bill clinton was off yeah well with you know having his own little war (laughs) that's the only difference she was still running things fighting wars in his pants (laughs) wars in their pants Oh my God. I think you're, I think she'd be interesting. I don't think I have the cooth to meet a a historical figure of that kind of. Well, I'm sure I would say something wrong. You do. You totally do. No, I'm sure I would say something wrong. I'm just a stupid farm girl. But she married like a farm boy and her parents did not like that. So I think she would, I could get along with her. But she wrote actually to Congress and said, remember the ladies and argued that women should not submit to laws not made in their interest. Hello. Yeah, we still can't do that. I wish she had been successful because we're still dealing with that crap over 200 years later. So um, I would probably go back and urge her to be way more serious about it. Like, go down there and yell at those men. (laughs) Just go in. Don't even let them do it. Just you do it, girl. Right. So um, I think the only thing, I I, I don't know, the corset would probably get to me. I think that would be the one thing that would be hard about that time period. It's not too bad, though. I got to tell you, actually, it helps you with your posture. Oh, well, that's true. It's Maybe not it as bad. It's like, it's like an underwire bra. Give me a lift. <laughs> and at, the, at this stage in life, you know, now that we're in our <clears throat> later 40s, 50s, um, and we have that sort of pooch, those would just become bigger breasts. Ah, so it all just pushes, pushes up or pushes, pushes down. Pushes everything up. Yeah. 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 So then we'd just be, oh, God, then you'd really fall over. <laughs> I actually like the look of them. I do like the look of them. It's like Spanx 2.0. Yeah, bridal gowns still have them. Yes, Spanx. Yeah. Right. You're right. Not that not that I partake so in, in those. Other words, you're saying we haven't really come very far. <laughs> no, we really haven't. We just wear a different instead of using whale bones, we just use lycra. <laughs> and we're still having laws that are not made in our best interest. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Well, that was a depressing chat. Moving oh, no, on. Sorry. <laughs> 
sorry. That we was a buzzkill. That took a bad turn. Okay, Margie, what, what about you? What would well, be another one for you? Okay, again, because go with what you know, much like you would be the kind of woman who would sit down and like have a nice conversation and cup of tea with Abigail Adams. I'm going to go hang out with, with Genghis Khan because I feel like he's so misunderstood. I feel like I... Like the whole Mongolian Empire is fascinating to me. My older son is like when we were homeschooling him, he got super into that. And then he he did like all this research and he found out like his Tamajun is Genghis Khan's name before he became the ruler. And then they changed it. And my son's name in Turkish is, is a derivative of that. So um and my other son's name, this is totally accidental. My other <laughs> son's name is a derivative of Kublai Khan. So, <laughs> which is um, not accidental at all. Which is totally not. <laughs> it was accidental, but then I was like, ooh, that worked fits. out a little too well, <laughs> right? The shoe fit and boy, does he wear it. So, um, and, and and Genghis Khan in Turkey has like mass, like they love him, you know, mm-hmm. they love him. And he is part, supposedly his DNA is in every, in every Turk. So here we go. He got around. Right. There's a really awesome book series by um, uh, John. I'm going to say his name wrong. Siska, you know, the stinky cheese man. Oh, yeah. But anyway, he wrote this this series of chapter books called the Time Warp Trio. I'd say they're probably like 10 or 15 years old. And um, in one of them, they do go like they find like they they, these three friends there who are like eight or nine. They find themselves in all these weird historical situations and they go to and they meet Genghis Khan and um, they have to help him like through a series of obstacles and when he takes over it because he's like a kid like them and my kids loved that book last like my little guy loved that book last year and then I was like super into it and there was a cartoon based on it and everything and I don't know I just really find the whole concept of the Mongolian Empire fascinating I hate European history I think it's really boring to read about white people that's just me I'm not a big fan um (laughs) I think like there's parts of it Maybe it's because that's all we ever got. I agree with you. Like I, when I got older, I became obsessed with like South and Central American history, Asian history and Egypt, Egyptology and all that. Like, yeah, I agree with you because we got so much of the European history. Yeah. And I could give two farts about the middle ages. I mean, it's like, whatevs, um, even like the, uh, Justinian empire, the Byzantines, you know, like, uh, the, the emperor Justinian and, uh, that stuff is fascinating and how they each kind of like swapped over and how, you know, like when you're in Istanbul, you see all of that stuff and you see it very firsthand because you can go to various places in Istanbul still and see, wow, this is when the Byzantines were here. Wow. This is when the Romans were here. Holy mackerel. This is when, you know, like the Mongols were here. Like, it's fascinating. It's so interesting. And um, I feel like we get gypped. So that's why I'm really into that kind of stuff. I think it's more interesting than learning about the European history because, you know, and for for some i mean you know like for some people you are european so therefore it is interesting like right. our family we're not so right right for me i mean like viking history and all that is pretty fascinating to me right but, um, but yeah i hear you we should learn all of it we should learn all of it let's put it yeah because way. world history is awesome mm-hmm. and i think there's a lot to know it helps us understand things better a hundred percent what are you going to do Okay, I do have another one. And if this is a totally now I'm going to take us in a totally different direction. But the another time travel vacation that I would like to take is to just to jump a little bit into the future just to see how my kid turns out. All right, Marty McFly. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? McFly. Seriously, I'm serious because I don't know about you, but I have a lot of parenting anxiety. <laughs> 
<laughs> that I'm well, honey, up. we were raised by boomers. We can't do worse. <laughs> we were literally raised by people that let us. We, we were latchkey children, for God's sakes. Where is your pet? Why do you have parental anxiety? I know, but oh, it would be God. nice to just get like a little peek just to know that everything turns out okay. So I can just chill or to find out that maybe there's some steering I do need to do. That would be like the pee too. on the floor thing. Like don't pee on the floor. <laughs> You, I, you don't, you don't even need a, a vacation in the future to find that out. I'm telling you right now, you're going to need to work on that <laughs> and balling up socks, not leaving your dirty socks on the floor. What is that with boys? Nasty. My husband has that socks. problem. See, my it's son. not boys, it's men. Yeah. Well, and the bad thing is, is our dog likes to chew on socks. So if any socks are on the floor, they're getting chewed up. So I'm like, so you're lost fool. Yeah. Any more time jumps for you? I am Back, not going forward, forward, backward. I am going back. You know where I'm going? I'm going back to the 80s. I'm not going forward because I don't like this dystopian tales. I'm going to like, I am. I'm going to the early 80s because I feel like, and maybe it's because I got felt very empowered by the book that I read for this week. Oh, but yeah. I feel like I can go back in time and fix things. And here's what I'm going <gasps> to fix. Number That's one. my book was like too. Okay, go. Really? Mm-hmm. Number one, I'm going to outlaw Aquanet. We didn't need to go through that. Right. We did not. And, and it was we bad for the, the environment. Yes. the ozone. So I'm getting rid of Aquanet. And I'm going to fix that first of all. And that's going to solve a lot of environmental problems. And, and I'm going to let Jimmy Carter's problems. thing stand, right? All of Jimmy oh, yeah. Carter's, those environmental practices that he put in, those are going to stand and I'm going to make them so that nobody can change them. Yeah. Two, I'm getting rid of Reaganomics. There will be no Reaganomics because that was the downfall of all of American society. I'm sorry. That's what happened. So there's no Reaganomics. And three, I'm going to go in. And I know this sounds a little ballsy on me, but I'm going to go in and I'm going to put an entire team of women in charge at Chernobyl. And then we wouldn't Ah. have had that accident. And then Chernobyl would have never happened. And those are just a few of my top three. That's my top three campaign promises when I go back (laughs) to the early 80s. I love it. I'm going to get rid of Reagan. I'm going to fix the hairspray issue with the environmental problems. And I'm going to put women in charge at Chernobyl. So we never would have had that. And then guess what? Maybe nuclear energy wasn't so bad and we wouldn't have all these problems with it. Maybe that would have been our solution and we didn't have to dig up coal. We wouldn't know that because we didn't have women in charge to make the right decisions. There we have it. Let's keep an eye on things. Vote for me. Time Traveler 2022. Vote for Margie to be the next Doctor Who. Oh my God, right? Um, That's funny because my first thought about the 80s was that I would go back and tell myself not to comb my hair so high for all my pictures. (laughs) 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 Because, you know, you can't even show people those pictures because it's quite embarrassing. But anyway. Or or like, what were we like, blow it out on the sides? The wings. So you leaned to the side and dried your hair and sprayed it. Yes. As hard as you could and teased it and sprayed it. So it stuck out on the sides. It stuck out. And then it went up in a V on the top. Like, I would use Aquanet on the top and con air spray on the side yes con air spray yes because that yeah. was like really sticky and then you just never you couldn't touch your hair it was a kind of creative creative outlet i don't know i think i got a little too carried away though i think you might have snorted a little too much the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> air spray all, oh all my the God. 80s women have lung issues today we have no, we didn't know why that's probably why we can't remember anything it's not menopause it's aquanet <laughs> Sounds better. All right. Well, now that we have traveled back and back and you went forward, but I just went to the 80s, um, which is where you like to stay anyway. You love the 80s. So there you go. Um, you spent a lot of time in the 80s <laughs> channel on your on your satellite radio. I know you. Shall we travel into our middle grade books? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get started. Welcome. 
Welcome back. Um, I can't wait to talk about the books we read this time because I know you loved yours. I definitely love mine. So do you want to go first? I totally will because I loved this book. And then I was really disappointed because I did that thing. You know, like sometimes you read a book and you're like, oh, I wonder what other people thought. So you look up reviews and so many people didn't like this book. (gasps) And I'm like, hey. Oh, no. They thought it was confusing. I think they just don't watch enough Doctor Who because I do think. (laughs) That if you are not accustomed to sci-fi and time travel and those kind of stories, it could be confusing. But once you've already kind of ventured into that world and you have that suspension of disbelief in your, like in your reading mm-hmm. quota or whatever, I think it's easier to jump. So, mm-hmm. so that's what I'm saying. I, 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 I reject that. I read Da Vinci's Cat, and Da Vinci's Cat was written by Catherine Gilbert Murdoch, who's a good Philly girl now. Ooh, ooh, yo, girl. <laughs> um, and she's from Connecticut originally, but she's in Philly now. So that's all that matters. Uh, she is a Newbery Award winner for the book, A Boy. And um, this book came out in May of 21. So that's that's it. It has a fabulous cover. P.S. too. It's got Da Vinci's Cat. Um, spoiler alert, Da Vinci's not in the book, which is ironic because Da Vinci's Cat is. Okay. So this whole book starts with Frederico Gonzaga. And he is a political hostage and he's 10, Ooh. 11. He's 11 by the time the story starts. He's been hostage since he's been 11. He's a political hostage being held by the Pope at the same time that Michelangelo is painting the Sistine Chapel. And Raphael is like one of his buddies that like hanging out and um, with Frederico. P.S. Frederico has a maid. He has or he has. Yes, he has servants. He has a um, governess. He gets letters from his parents. He has unlimited of everything. He has all of his lessons. He has a wing. So um, he's under house arrest, basically. So, right. So I'm pretty much sure that if anyone ever was like, hey, we're going to arrest you and take you hostage as a political hostage by the Pope in that in the 1500s, I'd be like, I'm in. That's awesome. Basically, he's being held because his father is uh, like a, a warrior, for lack of a better word. Uh, and they want to make sure that he always pledges his loyalty to the Pope. So therefore, they are keeping, wow. him, keeping his son to make sure. So all of that happens to start us off. And on a dark and stormy night, actually, it's non-stormy night, a dark night. He is outside walking in the in the ground. He can't leave. He can never leave the palace grounds. Um, he's outside walking and this cat, the kitten appear, comes out of this closet and he's like, well, this is a weird closet, kind of like a, more like, like a wardrobe, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that kind of closet. Um, and so the kitten comes out and he's playing with the kitten and he decides that maybe he and the kitten could become friends. And then all of a sudden the kitten goes back in and disappears. But then he like opens the door again. And the, now the kitten comes out and it's a full cat. And he's wow. like, Whoa, what just happened? The cat aged. But um, nothing happened in Frederico's life. So he takes the cat with him and the cat kind of hangs out with him. The cat's sort of like, this is one suggestion that I read. Somebody was like, if the book, the entire book was told from the cat's perspective, it would have been awesome. And I agree. That would have been like super awesome because the cat's really important because the cat can time travel through this closet. Mm-hmm. And the cat is actually who brings people through the closets because the, he'll just be like, hey, what's happening? Look at me. I'm gone. Oh, I'm back. And um, it, it piques the character's interest so that they go into the closet and then they can travel. But uh, that's pretty much all the cat has to do with it. The reason it's called Da Vinci's Cat is because Da Vinci built the time travel box. Oh, and then okay. Da Vinci's cat disappeared. And he, he was so traumatized because his beloved cat was gone. He never worked again. And oh. that's what the whole concept. Uh, so that's sort of cool. like at the beginning of the book. And you don't really catch any more about the cat or, or Da Vinci ever again. So he built the box. 
and he made it possible to time travel, but the only one doing any time traveling was his cat. <laughs> wow. I mean, that tracks. I have a cat right. that, that, that tracks. Yeah. And the cat wouldn't tell you he went anywhere. At least my cat wouldn't. But um, so anyway, a few nights later, Frederico's out again and he and the cat, he's like, got a nice, um, he's got this like really nice, uh, what do you call it? Collar made for the cat. So everybody knows it's his cat, blah, 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 blah. And he really needs a friend. So that's why it's important for him. The cat's really important for him. And all of a sudden this guy comes out and the guy isn't, he's not wearing like a jerkin and hose. He's wearing like pants and he's sort of disheveled and he has this weird accent, but he's still speaking Italian, but he has this weird accent and his Italian is broken. Well, it happens to be Herbert and Herbert is from the 1940s, New Jersey. Wow. And Herbert comes through and Herbert's kind of sketchy because Herbert is looking for sketches. Because he thinks that if he t- he time traveled uh, to Italy, he he's takes- using it for evil to he make is. money. <laughs> so he's asking. Um, he makes a little bit of a deal, and he gets a couple sketches, and they're signed by Michelangelo, and they're like cast off from his work on the Sistine Chapel. Meanwhile, the Ma- Michelangelo character in this book is absolutely fabulous. He's a hot mess. I love it. <laughs> it was really fun. So he gives uh, Federico chocolate with peanuts because he's never had chocolate before. And, um, and Frederico doesn't want to eat it because it looks like a turd, but then eventually <laughs> he does eat it. And he's like, Oh my God, I'll give you, yes, I will go find and I will steal the drawings and bring them back. If you keep bringing back chocolate and that's how it works. So then it's a while before, uh, Herbert comes back. Herbert doesn't come back for a while for a few nights. And when he comes back, he's really old. He's, you know, he's gone from like, he's he, not really old, but he's probably like in his fifties. And when he started, he was coming, he was in his twenties. Well, he's explaining to Frederico that, you know, like he had made a lot of money from the sketches. He could buy a house blah, 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 at a nice neighborhood. So one night, that's the night. And he's got a, oh, he got an outfit too. He, he had a whole outfit made so that we, he could come in and blend in. Herbert could blend in and not look ridiculous. Herbert decides that he's going to go out of the palace gates. and. Frederico is like, you can't, you can't, there's disease out there. If you go out there, the disease will take me back. It's not, it doesn't work basically. <laughs> and he goes outside of the palace gates. And this is like all within the very beginning of the book. And um, they go outside and he's like mortified because he, because Herbert goes from this like gorgeous, beautiful palace. That's very Renaissance to these mm-hmm. like people dying in the streets and, and it smells of rotten flesh and it's this horrible sickness and poverty. And it's just disgusting in Florence. And so, or Rome, excuse me. So there's a young girl laying in a, in a puddle and she keeps saying, help me, help me. And Herbert grabs the girl and the, and the Swiss guard come to get Frederico. And they're like, no, 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 you can't touch her. You're going to kill us all. Don't bring it in. And Herbert runs in to the, runs into the palace grounds. And as soon as Frederico figures out what he's doing, he's like, I can save her. I can save her. Frederico goes and opens the door and helps him. Uh-huh. And then he goes to the closet. You don't ever see him again. Years forward. Now, nothing has happened in Frederico's time. Nothing has happened. But years forward, we fast forward, and all of a sudden, the book totally changes. And he's just, uh, Frederico is just, he's just de- de- depressed because uh, he has a friend. Like, and that was his mm-hmm. friend. And now he's gone and he doesn't see him for many nights. So he figures, well, he must be, you know, he must be dead or something happened. Years later, now we fast forward and we meet B. And B is this salty little girl who has two moms and they are going to house sit at this house in New Jersey. And are we in B's perspective at this point? Yeah. Now we're, now we're telling the story from B's side of things okay. and it's modern day New Jersey. And B has two moms who both happen to be um, 
uh, art critics, uh, not art critics, excuse me, art historians. One of the moms conveniently happens to be from Italy and therefore B speaks Speak fluent Italian. Italian. Yeah. So they meet the next door neighbor and they meet this cat, Juno. And Juno is the same cat. It's, it's the cat. It's Da Vinci's cat. And she, Juno is attacking a bird. And so she takes it over to the old lady and the old lady freaks out and almost has a heart attack because she's looking at B and she's like losing her mind. But nobody knows why. And the moms are kind of freaked out and everything, but whatevs. So she goes next door and that's Mrs. Bother. Mrs. Bother introduces herself. And this happens to be Fred uh, Herbert's daughter. So Herbert's daughter is now an old lady. So we've lost that much time on this side, but nothing's happened on Fred's side, Frederico's side, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a little confusing. I hope well, I'm not giving too much like away. A, it's kind of like a reverse time travel where... Yes. Rodrigo is always in the same spot, but travelers are coming to him. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's kind of interesting. Instead of him traveling, people are coming to him. Exactly. Exactly. So Mrs. Bother is destitute. She has a bad fall. B tries to save her. And as B is calling the ambulance, she makes this ominous statement that B is going to fix everything. And B is like, hubba what? Fast forward, B finds the closet. And we know where this is going. Because um, Mrs. Bother has this picture that they that she shows B, and she it, it is an identical drawing to B, right down to the scratch that she got on her neck the day before when she was climbing a tree. Wow! So the drawing is B, and B's like, "Well, I'm supposed to fix everything, but I don't know anything." B finds the closet after they the, after they take away. Um, the drawing wasn't signed. That's the whole thing. It's supposedly mm-hmm. by Raphael, but it wasn't signed. And B figures that out, mm-hmm. and she figures if she can just. Go once she goes through time. The first time she's like, if I just come through time, I can have Raphael sign it and fix everything. That's not the story, though. That's not that's all that not had to how happen. She fixes it, okay. right? Because it's not just B that's in trouble. If things don't move according to schedule, and if things don't get fixed, if B doesn't fix the things that need fixed, then Fred is not going to. Frederico is not going to make it past age eleven, and the Ooh. entire Gonzaga dynasty will never exist. So they have to figure out how to fix this. But guess who doesn't want to help them? Michelangelo, because he hates the world. <laughs> so it's really fun. And there's so much more that happens. So once B goes through the closet, she stays over there for a long time. And they, I mean, like Raphael's involved, Michelangelo's involved. There's like, there's horse chases, there's all, uh, the Swiss guard. I mean, it's really fun. Wow. It was really, really fun. Now I have been reading this aloud to my younger son because we're mm-hmm. doing a whole deep dive in Da Vinci right now. And if you don't, Side note, if you have a young guy that might have any learning disabilities or is really into engineering, you need to look at, you need to, you need to do a deep dive into Da Vinci because he was a lefty with dyslexia. It was then proven that he wasn't writing in code at all. He was just dyslexic and writing backwards was faster for him. He had a lot of issues that we look at as negatives now and it really made him but because the he wasn't greatest labeled mind. yeah he wasn't because they didn't know it. what it was yeah he, so he was so, different yeah yeah so and it's creativity, a really his creativity was off the charts because yeah and i yeah. think like da vinci gets overlooked a lot in um public schools because it's kind of old school thinking people don't really there's so many things to cover you know we got to do this mm-hmm. this and this but this book is a great tie-in and this is a, it's a great way to bring it back into new um like into a, a give it a new perspective and to bring the whole concept of da vinci back um, my son is taking a, a Lego class online and next week's subject matter uh, coincidentally is Da Vinci and they have to build Da Vinci 
um, like Da Vinci inspired uh, items in there. Yeah. yeah, machines and inventions or sculptures or whatever. Um, there's so many things you can do in science. Like we're building a giant uh, model of the Vitruvian man we're using my son. We did all the measurements. You can tie it in so well. There's so many things you can do with Da Vinci and even like any of the Renaissance kind of, they kind of tie mm-hmm. into that. It's, and it's, I don't know. I don't feel like it's really heavily taught anymore. The thing I like about the Renaissance too, is that it's not like about war. It's more about invention and inspiration, yeah. and creativity. And I think yeah. that's like a fun era to kind of zone in on. You know, none of the schools that I have taught in have really, in the last, probably in the last 15 years, I've really done a lot outside of art class, have done a lot with the Renaissance. And I know I said I'm not a big fan of European history, but this is a really different perspective. And I think that if you're coming at it from a different, like not from a historical perspective alone, but from a STEM perspective, and you bring in Da Vinci, I think it's really smart. I think if you bring it in from many other viewpoints, then then yeah, I think it's it's even like social justice. My mm-hmm. God, why did they like they let people die in the streets and they didn't care because they wanted all the money for themselves? We watched some video the other day that was or one of these books we were reading. Maybe it was even I don't remember. We've been reading so much about Da Vinci. But they would pay these, they would pay Da Vinci and they would pay Raphael and they would pay these painters and, and have themselves put in a religious portrait. Well, make me look like a saint. I have money here. Put me in a painting next to Jesus. And like the absurdity of it yeah. in, to our modern sensibility is fascinating. And even an eight-year-old is like, that's ridiculous. But yet yeah, I can see it happening today, you know? So um like people praying great... to be forgiven for things or paying exactly. to be able to get away with crime. Exactly, uh, like Jimmy Swaggart. Um, <laughs> but I think it's great because he is having a hard time following it. But once we found, like once the action, the beginning part was a lot of um, sort of day-to-day life for Frederico Gonzaga. And that, or, um, that was a little bit boring to him. The, the world building of it had to be there. Yeah, so, it was a yeah. little boring. Yeah. And he's young, though. I mean, like he right. is, he's only eight. But that was a little bit boring to him. But now that we've got the action going and once we added B to the mix, he was really all in because he's like, okay, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And it's also interesting, you know, it's such a cool perspective because we have this girl who was very much a girl in this book, but the painting or the drawing that they're talking about was a boy. And so she like the, 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 the drawing is supposedly of a boy, of a young boy Mm. and and but it's sort of this it, we look there's a lot of good like questions about like the whole non-binary thing mm-hmm. that you could have a really great discussions about if you happen to live in a in a school district where they're not burning books that have anything besides you know like white people in them as like, it's currently happening in our world um that's a really interesting concept she's got two moms she's got one mom that's american one mom that's not she's living mm-hmm. in two different cultures there's a lot of uh of similarities to so, for so many kids within this book i think that's why i loved it so much because i'm like there's it's rich it's really rich a lot of people i mean the people that didn't like it complained that it was hard to follow which again i mentioned that but they said that you know there were a couple of mentions that the characters were not built out i totally disagree i felt like the characters i feel like yes frederico is really unlikable he has a nice turn towards the end where you like him more and he has glimmers of hope where he does good things. So I don't feel like he's not deep, but um, he's a wealthy prince, basically. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's going to be unlikable. I mean, that's the whole point. Like, uh, you know, he is going to he's not going to be as likable as the, you know, modern day character who's a little funkier and, you mm-hmm. know, she wears two different colored sneakers and, you know, things like mm-hmm. that. 
I don't know. I, I, I thought it was fabulous. Catherine Gilbert Murdoch is going on my Francia list. <laughs> Ooh, I was that's sitting in high, her front yard. It's high. That's high praise on my end. Yeah. She's going on my Francia list. I, I would love to like have coffee and talk about this book because it's really fabulous and fun. All right. It's really fun. It's such a creative concept. It's, and it, it's hard to track. I mean, good on her. Cause that was some hard, like it, it had to be hard. Writing to wise would be hard. Yeah. And I think there's track. a couple points that I do agree with people that criticize it. The ending is really, it fell short a little bit and there's too many questions left unanswered at the end. And it's not part of a series. It's not for that reason, but um, yeah, I think it's, 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 it's a solid book though. It's fun. It's a fun read. And it definitely brings up a new renewed interest in the Renaissance, which I think is, is good. Cool. That was my book. Da Vinci's Cat by Catherine Gilbert Murdoch. I know I must've liked it. Cause I never talked about books that long. And you never get that excited. I know, I know. It was, I'm good, usually though. It was fun. It was so fun. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. All right. So what'd you read? Sorry. Space enough. Okay. Space enough. It's okay. I had the pleasure of reading Operation Do-Over by Gordon Corman. And uh, Operation Do-Over is brand spanking now, like it just came out mid-January of this year, 2022. Um, Corman has, he has a ton of middle grade books out. Um, He's probably best known for Unteachables, which I admit I haven't read that one yet, but I, this is the first book of his that I've read and I definitely will read more. He's, uh, he's on my list. Maybe not total Franzia, but he's up there. He's pretty good. Yeah. What's the one before Unteachables? There's one before that one about um, Unplugged. Unplugged. It's good. It's a good one. Yeah. He's got a lot. He does have a lot of books out. So Operation Do-Over is a story of two best friends, Mason and Ty, and it's told through the POV of Mason, which, by the way, the voice is like spot on. I seriously felt like a 12-year-old boy was telling me this story. It was so cool, and it was very authentic. I loved it. I think that's his jam. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I you know, we don't like to say girl books, boy books, blah, 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 because and I'm sure girls would like this book, too. And there's plenty of female characters in it, but it's got that kind of boy voice to it, which was really fun. Um, and Mason is the main character. He's made a terrible mistake during his seventh grade year that led to the end of his friendship with Ty. And this story kind of jumps around because it's about their friendship. So um, it jumps around from like when Mason and Ty were zero and they first became friends uh, when they were 12 and all these things went down um, that affected their lives. And then 17 is the other age that this story jumps to. So it's kind of cool, but both boys are kind of science nerds. So I thought this story was headed in a completely different direction that it took than what it took. Like I was so pleasantly surprised though. I loved it so much. Um, I thought it would be kind of like a science experiment gone crazy or something like that, that causes time travel, but the time travel device was actually ends up just being something simple, like a car accident that sends the main character Mason back in time. Oh yeah. So he travels from his 17 year old self back to his 12 year old self and I absolutely loved this story premise. It was so great because it's basically like a thought experiment that anyone would like be totally drawn into where Mason goes back to that one point in middle school that set his life in what he thinks is, you know, like a bad trajectory. 
And I love this concept for a couple of reasons. So first, who wouldn't want to go back to that one point in your life where you felt like you were young and immature and you made a mistake, but you're going back with the knowledge that you have now. How would you pick one? How would you pick just one? Oh my God. So you can do things differently. I mean, that's like a wonderful fantasy for starters hands down. But then secondly, I love it because it's such a great way um, to get middle schoolers to have that distance themselves from what's going on with them like right now. So I even think like if I was teaching this book, I would have them write a paper that would um, have them consider what their 17-year-old self might tell them about how to handle a situation differently. Because think about that, like the perspective is one thing that middle school kids don't really have a lot of because they're new on the planet, right? Everything's a new experience for them. So what if they got a second chance to do something over? And I just think giving them that sort of opportunity to distance themselves from their current, whatever crisis they're in, whatever drama they're in, and just say, what what do you think your 17-year-old self would tell you what to do? You know, or, you know, instead of adults coming in and being like, oh, no, you don't understand. You haven't lived right, enough, right, right. blah, blah, blah. You know, but just help them to tell themselves a different, something different. What Mason does as a 17-year-old in his 12-year-old life is so interesting and so cool and not what I was expecting at all. It even gave me like a new perspective on how trying new things in life could really broaden your, uh, who you are, you know, instead of being afraid to try things or thinking I'm going to stay in my lane. This is who I am. I don't, you know, uh, I mean, one of the things he does is he tries out for football at 12. He was a science geek his whole life, never did anything athletic. And when he went back to his 12 year old self, he should try it out for football. Just that alone was like such a fascinating um, thought experiment, you know, like how that changed his life. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, normally you would think, oh, even at, you know, even at that age, yeah, you're, you've got the science nerds, you've got the jocks, you've got the you're sorted. You, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're sorted. sorted already. And how to break that and the, and coming back with a little bit more maturity and a little bit more perspective experience and just getting an opportunity to do something over. So, so cool. Loved it so much. I think it's such a great idea for middle schoolers to think about and give them some perspective. Um, It also read, I have to say, a lot more like realistic fiction than science fiction or fantasy. It really was more modern. Everything was set now. And he only traveled back five years. So, yeah, it's set now. And he only travels back from 17 to 12. So it's not like a huge time jump. Yeah, it's definitely reads more like realistic fiction. And there's not a lot of time spent on how time travel happens or any of that stuff. I'll take that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of common in time travel. Like even in your book, there's no exclamation about how the cabinet works, right? No, not at all. So that's basically this too, is just like a couple of head injuries <laughs> cause him to- Yeah, I think I like that though. I mean, that's the whole suspension of disbelief. Just let, let's just go with it. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that sets time travel stuff apart within science fiction and fantasy anyway, because a lot of stuff in fantasy, you have have the world and you've built it within the world and only things within the world can happen. And same with science fiction, you know, only things within science and what's plausible can actually happen. And but with time travel, there's really not even like Doctor Who, there's not much time spent on the TARDIS and how it works. No, how any it, of that. where it even came from or anything. It's yeah. more about the journey of the time travel itself. So anyway, I just this book, Operation Do-Over by Gordon Corman, I think is great 
great. I think kids who like realistic fiction would love it. Kids who like fantasy science fiction would like it. Fans of like Stuart Gibbs, City Spies, you know, other realistic fiction adventure stories, I think would like it too. So, um, you know what? I got to say, I know we're not supposed to do this, but thank you, Gordon, for writing some books for boys. That, <laughs> like get the, they, they yeah. kind of get the nuances of boydom mm-hmm. because we were like, we've talked about this, uh, you know, t- to, to, to not to nauseam, like how many books there are out there that really are not focused on anything but girls that we've swung the pendulum so far the other way that it's sometimes I, you have a reluctant reader who's just a dorky right. boy and you just want to give him a book and it's hard to find one that's not you know going to turn him off because of this this or this so yeah and I mean the writing is really approachable in this book I would say that even like lower middle grade would be able to read it easily. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was a fun read and and it's pretty light. I mean, it obviously it, I mean, it seems like it's heavy issues, but the way it's handled is not. And, and it's also just, I don't know. Cause when he's 17 and his 12 year old body, he does have a little bit more maturity. And, and so the way he looks at things isn't as drama driven or anything like that. So it's really fascinating. I like that. Highly recommend I might have it. to get that one. You know? Yeah. I think your guys would I like got, it too. I got some boys of that age that might be able to, to get into that. It's really hard yeah. to find a book to, to sort of suck in a 14 year old right now. So it's a good one. Operation do over. Oh, uh, well, those are two winners. Yes. Definitely. So um, what about a pick six? What are we doing? Oh yeah. We're going to skip it this time. Is that yeah, all right? Yeah, girl. I think that's good. <laughs> we did too much time travel talk this time. So we're just going to skip it. <laughs> that's all right. People really wanted to hear about me going back to the eighties to take care of Reaganomics. I'm sure of it. I'm sure <laughs> okay. that that was way more interesting than hearing about like six chocolates you like. <laughs> right. Here's my top six parenting books or top six <gasps> chocolates with peanuts, because that's what he was bribing. It. Um, that's what Herbert was bribing Frederico with. I love it. Chocolates with peanuts. I, I'm easily bribed by chocolates. I yes. Say. I would like I would like the record to state that if someone said to me, hey, I would like you to steal our <laughs> like, you know, p- cast off notes from a famous artist and bring them to me so that I can sell them in another dimension and I will pay you in chocolate, I would be 1000% on board. <laughs> Because I will do that for chocolate. Because honestly, what, that's how I do. The closer we get to Valentine's Day, the more I think about chocolate. <laughs> I, I don't need an excuse. I just always. <laughs> I'm so. I'm so always. Hashtag. This is why I'm fat. <laughs> it's all. Good. I don't need an excuse. Just give it. P.S. I made a chocolate cake with a chocolate cake a few weeks ago with chocolate ganache, and that's all I dream about now. I was gonna say you talked about it last episode too, so it's in your mind. It is. And I was like, it, we had an ice storm on Thursday. The kids got out of school or my older son got out of school early. Everything shut down. And I'm like, you know, I could make that cake again. I could. But then I'm like, no, 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 stop. I must stop. I must stop. <laughs> but still, oh, so tempting. All right, Marty, All right. So what do we have planned for next episode? All right. So next episode, we're going to be talking about uh, celebrating Black History Month by reading uh, new books from African-American authors. I'm going to be reading Some Places More Than Others by Renee Watson. Um, That's a big one right now. It's getting a lot of press lately in the wake of Starfish because it also has um, a main character that's fat. And that's a really important thing. And representation matters. And congrats to Starfish for winning so many awards. I know, right? Exciting. So exciting. Um, I like to think that we had a little hand in that. We pushed that one, you know. (laughs) But... (laughs) Just kidding. Totally just kidding. Um, but no one uh, to us. <laughs> no, right. Um, but I think that, uh, that I'm really psyched to read this because uh, it's 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 a hot it's a hot ticket. 
It's a hot ticket with a fat main character. Two of my favorite things. And you, what are you reading? Well, I'm still a little bit torn, but I think I'm going to be reading The Girl in the Lake by India Hill Brown. You, you, you have a death I'm, wish. I am going to scare the crap out of myself, though. So I'm torn because I might read that or I might read uh, When the World Turned Upside Down because that one looks really fascinating, too. That one looks so that. good. I saw that yeah. one, too. Um, and I think you should just keep that one because you'll need that when you get too scared to read the other one. <laughs> No, that's I'm what I was saying. saying. I'll trade back and forth. I will definitely not be reading the girl in the lake at night at any point. <laughs> I'm too, I mean, I couldn't even read the one with the with the the scary like the, the oh the sea monster last the, week. Yeah. I couldn't even <laughs> look at you. I know. Whew. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Well, I guess that wraps up this episode of Two Lit Mamas podcast. If you like what you've heard, leave us a review and share us. We'll love you forever. And that gets us seen and you know, we need to be seen. So I'm just saying, and <laughs> don't do. leave us bad reviews. But even if you leave us. us, right. Even if you leave <laughs> us a bad review, it's not really a bad review because it like gets us up in the algorithm. So ha 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 on you. Man in a boo boo. And if you want to join us twice a month for wonderful kidlet discussions like time travel, please subscribe to the Two Lit Mamas podcast through any of the places you get your podcasts. And if you want to find out what's happening in our world, or you want to talk about Reaganomics, um, or you want to talk about Chernobyl and why women should have been in charge of Chernobyl, give me a call. Uh, you can follow <laughs> us, DM me. Uh, you can DM me at Tulip Mamas Podcast on Instagram or Tulip Mamas on Facebook. And of course, on our website, www.tulipmamas.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Bye. Happy Valentine's Day. Bye. Oh, we'll have Galentine's.